When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and illusion is usually king. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast directories. You can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. Or you can shoot me an email. The address is right now, jimdaws at gmail.com. That's spelled D-A-W-S. Or you can call the vent line and raise hell at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, I want to start today's broadcast by asking you a favor. If you're a regular listener to this show or even if you're just tuning in for the first time, and uh, and you're on social media, either Facebook or Twitter. And uh, if you see the uh, the preview of the show that I always tweet out about five minutes before the live broadcast, or if you even see uh, you know the 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 tweet uh, with the link to the podcast, if you see that, uh, just take a second, uh, like it, and and hit retweet. I'm trying to expand the reach of this this broadcast um twitter is is stomped all over me with their uh, their shadow banning and their suppression uh the way they do that is they don't allow uh your your site facebook does this as well they don't allow your site to show up in uh, the feed anywhere except for the people that follow you directly so uh, you could help me out and i'd greatly appreciate it if you would retweet it because then it will get to all of your followers as well uh you can retweet it or like it on facebook and that'll uh, that'll help. If you're a host on this network, uh, do like I do. Every time you see uh, another uh, show announcement from one of the other shows on the network, always like and retweet it. Uh, when I'm on Twitter or Facebook and I, I see any announcement of a show or anything related to the Mojo Five O radio network, I always like it and retweet it. And I'm, I've always wondered why uh, the rest of the hosts don't do that as well. Because we have, uh, we've really got to expand this audience if we're going to make a difference in this run-up to the 2020 election. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of stories that are are breaking that are totally debunking the whole Russia hoax and uh, and many other things, including uh, this response to the coronavirus, uh, that are being totally ignored in the mainstream media. You will hear it spoken of. Uh, during some hours on Fox News and over at One American News Network. But there's a lot of people that uh, just don't watch TV, uh, but that are on uh, on social media. And this is a, a really great opportunity for us to expand the reach 
of, uh, of these programs, if we, uh, if we start making a habit of always uh, sharing and, and uh, liking uh, anything to do uh, with these broadcasts. So I'm going to start today's show uh, by, by telling you something that you're probably already aware of, almost certainly already aware of, and that is we've been had as a nation uh, we are now learning because of Richard Grinnell's uh, declassification of all of these uh, these interviews related to the Russia hoax. We're learning just how badly we've been had. We knew we were, had been had, but I don't think anybody really understood just how deceptive and um, the only word I can think of is evil that this whole effort has been and 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 the things coming to light now are just mind blowing these transcripts show now that they've been released that all of these key players in this this saga uh from Susan Rice to Sally Yates to James Clapper and uh John Brennan it shows that they knew while all of this was going on, that there was no evidence or any real real probable cause for them to launch this crossfire hurricane investigation into the Trump campaign. And they, uh, they knew that uh, what they were engaged in was totally and completely without basis. And the questions you really have to ask yourself now is that these transcripts are coming to light is... When these people testified behind closed doors and in these uh, star chambers that they had no evidence of any collusion with Russia, they didn't even have any real solid evidence of Russian interference in the campaign. How is that classified? How does that being um, communicated to the American people how does that compromise sources and methods? Why are we just learning after after this effort to uh, de- destroy and cripple the presidency of the United States? How is not knowing anything that those charges were based on, how is that classified? Why has this been kept secret from us for all this time? So you had uh, you had James Clapper going in there and saying he never saw any direct evidence of Russian collusion with the Trump campaign. You had Susan Rice saying she she had no direct evidence. You had Ele- Ev- Evelyn Farkas, who was all over the TV show, a former deputy assistant defense secretary, all over the media, saying that uh, that these. These uh, tactics and the special counsel was justified. She went in there and said she didn't know anything. She didn't. She didn't have any basis for making these charges. And again and again, you've got these these deep state operatives out in the public leaking, uh, you know, selective quotes to their buddies in the media. 
designed to cripple this administration and, and make the American people think that uh, the president of the United States was uh, in collusion with a, a foreign government. They were, they were making those statements in public while they were behind closed doors telling us that they, they had no evidence of that. They, they, they had nothing to base it on. And again, I got to ask, how is it classified that you don't know or have any evidence indicating any wrongdoing? That doesn't compromise national security. There's no basis whatsoever for that being classified and withheld from Americans. And it wasn't just the Democrats. It was the Republicans who voted for this bogus, um, you know, calling for a, a, uh, a special counsel investigation. Both in the House of Representatives and in the U.S. Senate, Democrats and some Republicans, including Richard Burr and Trey Gowdy, put their stamp of approval on this and made statements that all of this was uh, predicated on actual evidence and it should go forward. And it just reminds you what exactly went on here. I've got my own theories. I think when Donald Trump went famously went on that, uh, that debate stage and told Hillary Clinton that uh, if he were in charge of the department of justice, that, that she'd be in jail, that, that, that is when all of this, uh, really kicked off that they decided that they were going to frame Donald Trump for colluding with the Russians. And then after Hillary Clinton won, they were going to put Donald Trump in jail based on this frame up. They never anticipated they would lose this election. Nobody in the CIA, nobody in the FBI ever believed that there was any chance that Donald Trump was going to become president. And so they were engaged in this ongoing effort to frame Donald Trump, which included hiring operatives to infiltrate the Trump campaign and dangling um, incentives in front of them to try to get them to uh, engage in illegal acts. None of them ever took him up on it. You had this so-called unmasking that was using the just incredibly unconstitutional surveillance of the National uh, Security Administration, the NSA. You had, and they're taping, I always have to stop and remind you because it's hard for people to wrap their minds around it. All of your phone calls, all of your emails, all of your text messages are being captured and stored on giant servers in real time. We know this because the guy that designed the system that does it, William Benny, has been blowing the whistle long and hard on all of this. And of course, uh, we've got uh, Richard Snowden. I think it's Richard Snowden. But Snowden uh, blew the whistle on all of this and, and had to leave the country. They're capturing all of that. And so if you want to really know why the Republicans sit there and held the Democrats' coats while they tried to destroy the Trump presidency, you just have to remember uh, what what um, Chuck Schumer 
said in that famous interview with Rachel Maddow on 60 Minutes. But he's he's taking these shots, this antagonism, this taunting to the intelligence community. you, You take on the intelligence community. They have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. What do you think the intelligence community would do if they were motivated I don't know, to? but I, from what I am told, they are very upset with how he has treated them and talked about them. And we need the intelligence community. We don't know what's going Look at the Russian hacking. Without the intelligence community, we wouldn't have uh, discovered it. And we- the Russian had- hacking, he says. Without the intelligence community, we wouldn't have learned about this. Well... We, we know that the FBI never actually forensically examined the DNC servers that this whole Russian hacking mythology is based on. It was all done by CrowdStrike, which then wrote a report that the FBI based their findings on. One of the revelations of the release of these documents is when they took the CEO of CrowdStrike and interviewed him, He testified that he had no direct evidence that Russia ever hacked the DNC servers. Something I've been arguing for a long time and been called a conspiracy theorist repeatedly. There's no evidence that Russia ever hacked the DNC. William Benny, who I mentioned earlier, actually testified that it would be physically impossible for the hacking to have been conducted in the way that uh, that the FBI was representing, because the transfer rate was far too fast. The only way you could do a transfer rate similar to the way, way that those documents were extracted from the DNC was with a local hard drive or thumb drive. And that's another reason the efforts by the deep state have been so frantic to try to put the administration on the defensive It's the issue of Seth Rich and whether or not he was just shot in a a burglary in which he was shot in the back and none of his possessions were taken or if, in fact, he was uh, shot and assassinated uh, to to keep him from doing further damage to the Democrat National Committee. Let's uh, listen to the rest of this clip from Chucky Schumer. You know, you would think that if you called yourself a a journalist, so-called journalist like Rachel Maddow does, that when a a sitting U.S. senator, the senior senator in the, or the highest-ranking senator in the Democrat Party, says that the U.S. intelligence agencies will take retribution against a president of the United States, that might raise your eyebrows. That might elicit some follow-up questions. Chuck says, well, I don't know what they would do. And she just moves on as if we're living in a country where it is acceptable for the intelligence agencies to retaliate against the president of the United States to get back at you. In the words of Chuck Schumer, here's the rest of this clip. Has an agenda to try to dismantle parts of the intelligence community. I mean, this form of taunting hostility, whether you're a super liberal Democrat or a very conservative Republican, you should be against dismantling the intelligence community. Well, I'm not so sure about that. Certainly, uh, we need to dismantle the deep state cabal in there that apparently has our elected representatives so scared to cross them 
that they uh, they allowed this to go forward. Matt Getz uh, was on uh, one of the Fox News shows describing Trey Gowdy's behavior during all of this. Trey Gowdy unexpectedly and just out of the blue decided that he was going to quit Congress. He was getting the hell out of town. But he was, along with Paul Ryan, one of the key Republicans that prevented any of the uh, subpoenas that Devin Nunes and Matt Getz were trying to issue to get to the bottom of all of this. Here's Getz commenting on it um, on the, uh, it's one of the Fox shows. I can't remember which one. I'm glad you went through Trey Gowdy's exquisite t- questions in 2017 to these corrupt officials. I guess my question, Sean, would be why was it then in May, late May of 2018 that Trey Gowdy went on Martha McCallum's show and said that the FBI did exactly what all of our fellow Americans would have wanted them to do and that uh, it had nothing to do with Donald Trump? Both of those things have now been proven to be not true and it seems that Gowdy's brilliant lawyering back in 2017 that we're only able to see now proved those two statements untrue the number one question i get asked from americans is why no one has gone to jail and been held accountable unfortunately when nunez and meadows and jordan and i wanted subpoena power it was paul ryan and trey gowdy that wouldn't give us that subpoena power democrats sent out hundreds of subpoenas when we had control and could have run this to ground in 2017 we didn't send out a single subpoena not one and that's a failure of our republican leadership it is a total failure and you have to ask yourself why would they do this Did they really believe these bogus allegations after they were sitting behind closed doors, hearing all of these Obama administration officials testify that it was, in fact, based on nothing? Or are they scared to cross the deep state? Does the do they have phone calls and text messages that implicate them and know that if they dare to stick their head up and cross intelligence and law enforcement agencies that uh, that information will come to light. I guarantee you that Richard Burr, the chairman of the Senate intelligence committee did not just step aside and allow Mark Warner to tee off on the president uh, for no good reason. Richard Burr was like a, the, the proverbial potted plant. He would open these hearings by making, um, you know, Pablum statements about bipartisanship and working together. And then he would hold Mark Warner's coat while Mark Warner said some of the most slanderous, scurrilous, and knowingly false statements you can possibly imagine. Excuse me. James Clapper never saw any direct empirical evidence of Trump-Russia collusion. Susan Rice, we didn't have any direct evidence. Evelyn Farkas, I knew nothing, despite the fact that Evelyn Farkas, a former assistant, deputy, deputy assistant uh, defense secretary without any qualifications, I might add, she's now running for the congressional seat being vacated by Nita Lowy, representing Chappaqua, New York, where the Clintons make their home. And of course, they're going to get her inside, and uh, she will promptly be appointed to the um, the judiciary and intelligence communities in the House of Representatives, so they can continue to uh, cover up their wrongdoing. But here's Evelyn Farkas back in that famous interview on Morning Joe 
um, talk, uh, slandering the Trump administration after she had already gone behind closed doors. Actually, actually she, all, she subsequently went behind closed doors and admitted that all of these statements that she makes in this interview are based on absolutely zero knowledge. Evelyn Farkas, the, the other big story of the day. You actually knew about this uh, attempt to get and preserve information and full transparency were doing some work yourself. Tell us well, about that. Well, I was, I was urging my former colleagues and, and frankly speaking, the people on the Hill. Mm-hmm. I, it was more actually aimed, aimed at telling the Hill people, get as much information as you can, get as much intelligence as you can before President Obama leaves the administration, because I had a fear that somehow that information would disappear with the senior people who left. So it would be hidden away in the bureaucracy um, that the Trump folks, if they found out how we knew what we knew about there we knew what we knew about their the staff the trump staff's dealing with russians their dealings with russians remember now she went behind closed doors after this interview and said we knew nothing i knew nothing about any of this that they would try to compromise those sources and methods, meaning we would no longer have access to that intelligence. So I became very worried because mm-hmm. not enough was coming out into the open, and I knew that there was more. We have very good intelligence on Russia. So then I had talked to some of my former colleagues, and I knew that they were trying to also help get information to the Hill. A lot going on today. They were trying to get information to the Hill, false information. They were leaking it to their friends in the media, which is basically just a public relations arm for the Democrats. And um, and here's, let me see what, uh, if I can find this, what she said behind closed doors after that interview. Um, stand by with me. So she's being questioned by the aforementioned Trey Gowdy in 2017. He said, he asks, why don't we go back to the sentence that I just asked you about? It says the Trump folks, if they found out how we knew what we knew about their staff dealing with Russians, well, how would you know what the U S government knew at that point? You didn't work for it. Did you Farkas? I didn't a former mid-level Russia analyst who left the government in 2015. Then how do you know, Gowdy asked. I didn't know anything, Farkas replies. Did you have information connecting the Trump campaign to the hack of the DNC? No, Farkas admitted. So when you say we knew, the reality is you knew nothing. Correct, Farkas responds. So when you say knew, what you really meant was felt, he asked. Correct, Farkas says. You didn't know anything. Gowdy continued, that's correct, Farkas responded. It was all a misinformation campaign. And as I said, I believe that this was all uh, an attempted frame job that they would have gotten away with if Hillary Clinton had been elected and taken uh, control of the levers of power at the intelligence and law enforcement agencies. They were uh, they were out to get Trump. And then they got caught out. Donald Trump, despite all of the predictions to the contrary, actually won the election. And that is when the cover-up began. That's when the, the assault on the incoming president began. Because you see, they had to put him 
on the defensive to continue their cover-up that included the appointment of a former FBI director and James Comey mentor as the special counsel. The real Russia collusion actually took place. There was Russian collusion in the 2016 presidential election. It was between the Hillary Clinton campaign and Russian intelligence agents that were feeding Christopher Steele the information, the misinformation that he put in this bogus dossier. I wonder if I've got time for this. I'm going to have to uh, cover this clip when we get back, but we've got uh, Rear Admiral Michael Rogers testifying. He was one of the few people that, uh, that knew what was going on and alerted the administration. That's when they moved their operations out of Trump Tower, which was being uh, uh, bugged and into the, uh, the, the country club there in New Jersey. Yeah, there was collusion, all right. Russians interfered in this election, all right. They interfered in the election by uh, providing the disinformation that Christopher Steele then packaged into opposition research paid for by the Clinton campaign. What they accuse you of doing is exactly what they're doing. It always works out that way. we got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. So before we get started in this second half hour, I, I want to uh, repeat my request to you that anytime you see my or any uh, any of these programs carried on the Mojo Five O Radio Network uh, announcing that their show is coming up, or even announcing you know that their show, uh, or even if you see it after the show is already played, just uh, just like it and uh, retweet it. We've got to start making a, a determined effort to increase the reach of this audience, despite the uh, to overcome the determined efforts to suppress it on Twitter and Facebook and other social media platforms. Oh, also (laughs) I need to uh, remind you because I I got so, uh, so focused on the last segment uh, that I forgot to do our uh, 
our sponsor announcement to uh, go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. It'll carry you over to My Patriot Supply. And uh, you can get your four week emergency food supply with a 25 year shelf life, 2,000 calories a day, 284 total servings of breakfast, lunch, dinner. And if you do it today, you can save $100 uh, dollars off of the uh, price. It's normally $297. If you order today, you can get it for $197 and get free same-day shipping. Go to preparewithmojo50.com and get your four-week emergency food supply today so you'll be prepared the next time uh, the government loses its mind and tries to lock us in our houses. Preparewithmojo50.com. So, um, one of the big parts of, uh, this effort to, uh, to frame Donald Trump for Russia collusion that they knew was uh, a lie that in fact, any collusion that went on, uh, the law enforcement and intelligence agencies, James Clapper and, uh, John Brennan and Jim Comey, they knew that the only Russian collusion in this campaign took place between Hillary Clinton and uh, Russian intelligence sources that were feeding disinformation to Christopher Steele so that he could package it up in the so-called dossier. Uh, and one of the things that they were doing in the, in the Obama administration is they were listening to the phone calls between Donald Trump and his campaign and, uh, and anybody that they were talking to, they were listening to all of those calls and they were doing this because the NSA captures all these calls and, uh, and the administration gets reports on the calls that they've requested and any place that it, uh, it names a, an American person by, by law has to be redacted out. And that person has to be identified as us person one or us person two or us person three or whatever. And we know that during the 2016 campaign, the number of these so-called unmaskings were off the charts. Nothing in the history of these uh, of this NSA surveillance program that was installed after 9-11 had ever seen the number of unmasking requests coming uh, from an administration. And this was when uh, Admiral Mike Rogers, who was uh, heading up the defense intelligence, no, I think he was actually heading up the NSA itself, went to uh, Trump Tower after Trump won and advised the campaign that, uh, in fact, they were being spied on, that his famous accusation that that his uh, wires were tapped that just absolutely caused a media meltdown was, in fact, true. You remember Donald Trump tweeted, when he got wind of this, that um, Obama had had his campaign's wires tapped. And everybody in the media said, oh, how irresponsible is this? We can't have a president of the United States uttering such such conspiracy theories. All of it, every little bit of it, turned out to be absolutely true. And here's a, uh, a clip of Mike Rogers testifying. I think this was at the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee about these unmaskings that took place. So with respect to unmasking for the National Security Agency, we define in writing who has the authority to unmask a U.S. person identity. 
That is 20 individuals in 12 different positions. I am one of the 20 in one of those 12 positions, the director. That also includes Susan Rice, who had hundreds of unmaskings. That includes Samantha Power, who is the ambassador to the United Nations and had really no no brief to uh, share in this these uh, eavesdropped phone calls. Went from 30 in the previous years to over 700 during the campaign. We'll go back to this clip. We outline in writing what are the criteria that will be applied to a request to unmask. When we think we need to reference a U.S. person in a report, we will not use a name. We will not use an identity. We say U.S. person one, U.S. person two, U.S. person three. That report is then promulgated. Some of the recipients of that report will sometimes come back to us and say, I'm trying to understand what I am reading. Could you help me understand who is person one or who is person two, etc.? You must make the request in writing. The request must be made on the basis of your official duties, not the fact that you just find this report really interesting and you're just curious. The basis of the request must be that you need this identity to understand the intelligence you're reading. Samantha Powers, in her position as ambassador to the United Nations, had no need to know any of this, and yet she submitted over 700 unmasking requests that were apparently approved not by um, not by the admiral there, but uh, by uh, Clapper and uh, and Comey. We apply those three criteria. We do it in writing. And one of those 20 individuals then agrees or disagrees. And if we unmask... We go back to that entity who requested it, not every individual who received the report. We then provide them the U.S. identity, and we also remind them the classification of this report and the sensitivity of that identity remains in place. By revealing this U.S. person to you, we are doing it to help you understand the intelligence, not, not so that you can use that knowledge indiscriminately. It must remain appropriately. Or use it politically. They weren't using it indiscriminately. They were targeting their political opponents. And they were using um, the surveillance power that is totally unconstitutional, I'll say again, of the U.S. government to listen to all these calls. So if you want to know why the members of Congress were so reluctant to do anything that would uh, make them a target of the CIA, the FBI, or the NSA. That's what you need to know because they had already seen that they were using these tools against Donald Trump and they didn't want the tools to be used against them as well. So there's a record of who made the request to unmask the conversation involving the American citizen. Yes, sir. There's a record of whether or not you granted it. Yes, sir. General Flynn was caught up in a conversation with a Russian ambassador. Somebody took that information that we gained through collection of, with Flynn and gave it to the Washington Post. We would know who, how that conversation was revealed and to, to who it was revealed. That is a crime. And that's a leak, and that is illegal, yes, sir. Okay. This is not about politics. This is not about party. This is about an effort against the strategic interests of every citizen of this nation. Well, it is about politics. That was the motivation. But now we know that there are written records of every one of these unmaskings, and everybody who knew the name of, uh, of Michael Flynn during that conversation with Kislyak is, is on the record. And guess what? 
Richard Grinnell, the ambassador to Germany and the acting director of the, uh, of director DNI, director of national intelligence has those documents and apparently has already delivered them to the department of justice. And they're going to be looking into this leak. And all of this is ultimately uh, headed toward one thing. And that is what did Obama know and what part did he play in this orchestrated conspiracy against his political opponents to this date, three plus years down the road when all of this became public, nobody, nobody, not one member of the media has ever asked Barack Obama what he knew and when he knew it. But we're starting to learn. We're starting to learn as a result of these newly declassified documents that uh, Richard Grinnell, um, they're saying Adam Schiff released them. Adam Schiff didn't release anything. He knew that Grinnell was going to make them public, and so he tried to beat him to the punch. But Grinnell was the one that made these documents public. So we know that uh, that during that infamous meeting in uh, in early January of 2017 that was attended by Susan Rice and Sally Yates and James Comey and, by the way, Joe Biden, that they were talking about we have to hold uh, some of this information that we've uh, we've gathered away from the Trump campaign. He was giving... The, uh, the law enforcement intelligence agencies, their walking orders that you can't let anybody in the onco- incoming in- administration know what we have done. Again, I say that this was all about trying to set up Donald Trump when they thought he was going to lose so they could put him in jail. And uh, we know from these uh, text messages between Peter Strzok and Lisa Page that Obama knew everything. In one of those text messages, uh, Page says to Strzok, POTUS, President of the United States, POTUS wants to know everything we're doing. By the way, no one has asked Lisa Page or Peter Strzok what Obama knew, despite the fact uh, that both of those uh, seditious actors have uh, appeared repeatedly on CNN and MSNBC, you would think that somebody might ask them, well, during this text message, you said that, uh, that Obama wants to know everything. What in fact, did he know? What did you tell him? When James Clapper was asked about it, uh, uh way back in, I think it's 2017 toward the end of the year, he lied to Congress about his, him briefing, Obama on Flynn's phone calls. We know that now because uh, Susan Rice's uh, testimony shows, or I'm sorry, uh, Sally Yates' testimony shows that she was surprised that he knew about it. Well, the only person that was authorized to know about that call at the time was James Clapper. I've got a clip here. This is Sidney Powell appearing on Maria Bartiromo's show, Sunday Futures talking about um, the next step in, uh, in this investigation. 
James Clapper was there briefing President Obama in the Oval Office on the Russia probe. Joe Biden and Susan Rice were there as well. This was January 5th, 2017. Walk us through it. Exactly. Well, the day before, Comey had found and McCabe had found the transcripts of Flynn's call with Kislyak. And he briefed Clapper on it immediately. Clapper then immediately went and briefed President Obama on it. Then they have the Oval Office meeting on the... Exactly. Well, the... So let's uh, let's go through that again. January 5th, 2017. Walk us through it. Exactly. Well, the day before, Comey had found and McCabe had found the transcripts of Flynn's call with Kislyak. And he briefed Clapper on it immediately. Clapper then immediately went and briefed President Obama on it. Then they have the Oval Office meeting on the 5th. Comey admits in his testimony that the FBI are the people that unmasked General Flynn, our people, whatever that means. And at the meeting on the 5th, Sally Yates was stunned because Obama mentions to her out of the blue about the call and the transcript of the call. She knew nothing about it because Comey hadn't briefed DOJ. Yes. Yes. Yep. So mm-hmm. so then they dispatched Comey the very next morning to brief President Trump only on the salacious aspects of the dossier on January 6th to set the news hook for BuzzFeed and CNN to run with the dossier they knew was a lie. Then Peter Strzok is right. watching CNN report on that and text yeah. about he and Priestap sitting there watching it and using it as a pretext to go interview some people. So the whole thing was orchestrated and set up within the FBI, Clapper, Brennan, and in the Oval Office so- meeting that day with President Obama. So you think this goes all the way up to the top to President Obama? Absolutely. Who's going to be charged? I have no idea. That's up to John Durham and Attorney General Barr. We got it. So at this point, we need to uh, talk about what actually took place during that phone call with, uh, with General Flynn and the Russian ambassador Kislyak. Um, Flynn said that he was requesting that Russia not escalate the sanctions against the United States in a, in a tit for tat. You recall that, uh, that the Obama administration on the way out the door had, um, had tried to, um, basically, um, escalate tensions with Russia based on this. We know now bogus accusation of hacking the Democrat national committee and impose severe sanctions on them when the incoming national security advisor, Michael Flynn, talked to Kislyak, which is a perfectly normal uh, pro forma activity for an incoming administration. He requested that they not retaliate and tried to mollify the situation and, uh, and turn down the, uh, the tensions. There's nothing illegal about that. That's not a violation of the so-called Logan Act. That's simply uh, requesting that another country not uh, retaliate against the United States. That's not treasonous. That's not interfering with diplomacy. It's not any possible interpretation that can be negative to the United States. It, in fact, was, was trying to, uh, to reduce tensions. It was perfectly appropriate in every possible way. But when they told this to Obama, 
Obama saw an, an opportunity to uh, to go after the incoming uh, national security advisor who had called him out many times from the campaign trail about this disastrous nuclear agreement with Iran. We got to get off this topic and on some other uh, other stories, but before we do, I want to remind you to go to AmericaFirstRadio.shop. That's my store, AmericaFirstRadio.shop. I'd appreciate it if you'd take a look at the products I've got there. Got some great T-shirts for this uh, coronavirus age, this Wuhan virus age. Failure to prep is prepping to fail, and a country boy can survive. You can get yours today, free same-day shipping, or you can get your banana bag oral solution, a uh, a a fantastic product that will either treat you from dehydration or prevent you from becoming dehydrated instead of uh, going to the hospital and having to get an IV. You can uh, mix yourself up eight ounces of this banana bag oral solution and get high doses of B vitamins and C vitamin complexes, electrolytes, sodium chloride, potassium doesn't have any unnecessary ingredients it's got an organic lemon-lime flavoring, but it's, uh, it's not sweetened. No other active ingredients, no preservatives, no artificial colors or sweeteners. It's great for dehydration from overexertion or a medical uh, condition or illness. If you're feeling low energy and run down or your immune system is suppressed, it's great for that. And if you've got diabetes or any gastrointestinal conditions uh, that leave you dehydrated, it's absolutely perfect for that as well. You know what it's really good for? It's really good for hangovers. One of the reasons you feel like doo-doo the next day is because you're dehydrated. Uh, take one of these banana bag oral solutions and you'll be back to your old self in time for happy hour. Go to AmericaFirstRadio.shop and get yours today. That's AmericaFirstRadio.shop. Oh man, this is uh, there is going to be so much history written about this RussiaGate hoax, and there'll be movies made about it. They'll they'll stand it on its head. They'll uh, they'll tell the big lie. But we've got to make sure that we understand exactly what happened and pass that on to future generations. So let's talk a little bit about this uh, case down in Brunswick, Georgia, where the McMichael uh, father and son have now been arrested and charged with murder. In the case of Almond Aubrey, um, they're they're very active in the media and on social media trying to whip this into some sort of race incident. There's no indication whatsoever that the races of the parties in this case had any effect on it at all. Uh, we know that blacks commit violent crimes, including murders against whites at uh 12 times or more the rate that whites uh, victimize blacks. But anytime there is an opportunity to try to, uh, to don the mantle of victimhood, the race hustlers like Al Sharpton, who has now made an appearance in this case and Jesse Jackson and all their, their talking heads in the media and in the, uh, the legacy newspapers never miss an opportunity. And, and they are determined that they are going to uh, skewer and crucify uh, the McMichaels, who had the uh, uh, the misfortune, you, you may even argue the misjudgment, to try to conduct a citizen's arrest on somebody that uh, fit perfectly the description of uh, burglars that had been uh, plaguing their neighborhood. 
Now, you could argue that uh, they should not have tried to confront uh, Armand Arbery. And, uh, and I, 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 would, I would have to agree with that. Not that they didn't have the legal authority and, uh, to do so under Georgia's citizen's arrest statutes. Citizen's arrest are part of uh, uh, the, uh, the Western tradition of jurisprudence. Um, but they were exposing themselves to, to great liability by doing that when it weren't, wasn't necessary. Arbery was on foot and they could have just uh, followed him at a distance until the police arrived. They, they had the police on the phone. But this whole thing was really escalated, of course, when Arbery uh, attacked uh, Travis McMichael and tried to wrestle a shotgun away from him. As near as I could tell, McMichael never raised uh, the weapon to Arbery. If you watch the video, uh, Arbery runs around the truck and immediately darts toward McMichael and uh, starts grabbing the weapon. And there were no shots fired. There was no gun raised before Arbery started trying to wrestle the gun away from McMichael. Once that happened, you can take all of the things that happened prior to that, the citizen's arrest, the, uh, the surveillance tapes of Arbery, um, you know, lurking around homes in that neighborhood. You can throw all that out the window. It's irrelevant. Once Arbery attacks a guy and starts trying to uh, take a, a firearm off of him, then it becomes a struggle for the weapon and it becomes a pretty much an ironclad case of self-defense. Was Art, was McMichael within his legal rights to have that weapon out in the public? Yes, he was. There is no law against carrying a shotgun. Again, I repeat, we've got videotape. It does not show that McMichael ever raised that weapon at Aubrey until Aubrey grabs it and starts trying to take it away from him, at which point Aubrey has the incredibly bad judgment to grab the weapon and start pulling it toward his body, the muzzle toward his body, jerking it. And uh, listening to the videotape, you can tell that uh, the, uh, the shotgun went off three times. The first when he grabbed it immediately and started pulling at it. And then a struggle ensued wherein uh, Aubrey is continuing to grasp the, the barrel of the gun with one hand and striking Michael in the head with his fist with the other. And right toward the end of it, um, McMichael, who is determined to hold on to this weapon and has the good sense to, uh, you know, to hold on for dear life. Aubrey grabs the weapon and, uh, and jerks it toward himself. And it appears on the video that he, uh, he shot himself in the, uh, the chest when he did that. So all of the Democrat politicians are weighing in, trying to whip up a, a race incident in the run-up to the, the presidential election. And Stacey Abrams, the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the former Democrat leader and the Georgia House representatives, and uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Imaginary governor of Georgia. She insists she won that election. 
went on with Christiane Anamanpour on uh, CNN and, uh, and did her part to agitate this, uh, this situation. There's been another tragedy. Um, a black man was killed in Georgia. And I want to read what, uh, what Joe Biden has tweeted about a video that showed Ahmad Arbery, he said, was killed in cold blood. My heart goes out to his family who deserves justice and deserves it now. It's time for a swift, full and transparent investigation into his murder. So let's stop there and uh, just sort of uh, dissect that tweet from Joe Biden. The video is clear. Armand Aubrey was killed in cold blood. That could not be any further from the truth. He was not killed from uh, in cold blood. He was not thrown down on and shot. He attacked a man with a rifle and attempted to wrestle that rifle or a, a shotgun and attempted to wrestle that shotgun away from him. He wasn't killed in cold blood. He was killed in a struggle for a weapon that in any court in this country is going to be looked at as self-defense. Then he goes on, it is time for swift, full, and transparent investigation into his murder. Murder is a very specific legal term. It indicates that somebody was, uh, was had their life taken by another on purpose with malice and forethought. Now, it can be second-degree murder where uh, you've put yourself into a situation and then you, uh, you purposely kill somebody. But the video is very clear. That's not what happened in this case. What happened in this case, Sarby grabbed that, that shotgun, tried to take it away from him, and then Travis McMichael was in a struggle for his, his life. And being hit in the head at the same time all of this was going on. So we start right there with Joe Biden trying to, uh, to politicize this tragedy. And it is a tragedy. And then Stacey Abrams jumps on board. Um, you know, some might say this shocking fact uh, has been kind of overlooked because of the coronavirus uh, crisis. What do you say about the fact that this is still going on? I'm very privileged to be working with the group of activists that helped bring this to the fore because it was indeed swept under the rug. This is a case that's been ongoing for several weeks. It was not swept under the rug. It was looked at by two prosecutors' office. Both indicated that uh, that Travis McMichael was acting within the law. And if you want to know how politicized this has become, they've also arrested uh, Travis's father, who was standing in the bed of the pickup truck at the time, and and did not uh, participate in this shooting at all. They've charged him with murder as well. There's no case for murder against the elder McMichael. We're about out of time, and I can't get to the rest of that clip. Uh, join us on tomorrow's show, and we'll uh, we'll take a another look at this and uh, the most recent developments. And again, I remind you to uh, to make sure you retweet all of these Mojo Five O shows whenever you see them on Twitter or Facebook. So that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. 
With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.